is a Furnish Brothers production. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Talking Buds podcast. It is the Talking Buds podcast. It's the Talking Buds podcast, folks. Talking Buds podcast. Season two, Talking Buds podcast. Let's go. All he's got to do is get in the weight room and, oh, baby, he'll be a good pro in no time. Good pro. Stinks. Absolutely stinks. Stanley Cup? How about let's just run around? What a dummy. You just know that Babs was looking to see if there was any gas left in the tank of that good pro. This, 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 this is the Talking Buds Podcast. And now, here's your host, Rob and Ryan. What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Talkin' Buds podcast. Ryan, we are back. We just watched the Maple Leafs lose 4-2 to to the Boston Bruins. And normally when we do a show after a game, I take notes and we sort of run the game down. Tonight, when Parr Lindholm scored to make it 4-2... I set fire to my game notes and threw the format for tonight's episode out the window. And I said, Ryan and I are going to have a heart-to-heart about the current state of the 5-4-2 Toronto Maple Leafs. First of all, before we get going, welcome to any new listeners we may have this week. Ryan, how are you, buddy? I am good, buddy, and man, a a heart-to-heart is the perfect way to put it, so let's just get right into this thing, man, because I'm sure we have a lot to say about this hockey team. Quick overview, since we last talked, the Leafs uh, have played the Bruins twice and the Columbus Blue Jackets Um, on Saturday night, they... They played okay. They like I feel like the Bruins were the better team, but then the Leafs end up winning in overtime on a goal by Morgan Riley. Uh, Monday night they lose in overtime after Mitch Marner is called for hooking, and um, the Blue Jackets win on a penalty shot. And then tonight, the Boston Bruins. In what? Listen, I was going into this game tonight, second night of a back-to-back. Hutchison in the net, expecting like a blowout. It wasn't a blowout, but it was still a pretty frustrating performance. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And touching on Saturday, I thought they actually played worse on Saturday than they did tonight. But again, like as we'll get into it, it's just the constant same things over and over again that keep coming up with this hockey team. Okay, so 5-4-2. and 
not a disastrous start to the season, but a pretty underwhelming one. Yeah, what, no doubt. What's going on, Ryan? Like what? Like high level? What's going on? Why is this team like this? They're they're inconsistent. They they don't like the start on time thing is something that gets thrown around a lot. There are other variables. Like I'm sure Babcock will come up in our conversation. But like, what is going on with the 2019 2020 Maple Leafs? Eleven games into the season. It's hard to put your finger on it at this point, but it's just, it's the same thing. Like if you look at that record for any other team in the league, that's okay. It's like, you know what? Like it's, it's hard to dominate in this league. This league is so even, it's hard to get out to a dominating start. Some teams have done it, but it's tough. Like teams are good in this league and so far they have, they have a decent record. They've gotten points in some games they've lost. They've lost in overtime, but it's. The fans, the Maple Leaf Nation, the people like me and you who do podcasts about this team, who watch this team week in and week out, who are just almost ignoring the record at this point. Not saying that if they were undefeated right now, he wouldn't be stoked. But I'm willing to just not get too excited about having a decent start and kind of doing the it's early thing because we talked about it last episode and the episode before that, this style of play and the way they've been playing has dated back years and last year. So it's it might be a brand new season, but at the end of the day, us watching this hockey team, we recognize the same problems they're having now that they've had in the past, and no one seems to understand why they can't be corrected. Because it's coaching, it's at players... I don't even know at this point, man, but the easiest decision you can make is removing the coach and has the timer started on this guy? Because I think it has. Uh, I think it has too, but I I do think that he's going to have a longer leash in this scenario than maybe some coaches on some other teams would. Like, I think he'll like, I think he's going to get the whole season. And when the second season's over, whether they don't make the playoffs or lose in the first round or whatever, he'll be removed. You already have media questions on all different sports radio shows talking about if this team is even a lock to be a playoff team. I don't think they are. No. At this point, it's... The Buffalo Sabres are 8-1-1. One, and one. Yeah, like at this point, watching them play, it's like this league is way too tight to be thinking that they're a lock when they're in a division that's pretty competitive. Well, there's a yeah, lot of... Tampa hasn't had the greatest start, but Tampa's a better team than Toronto. There's there's folks right now who would who would reference last year's Stanley Cup champion to you and I right now and say you yeah, can well, turn it around well, and on. rattle off a bunch of wins and get in. Well, that's just an optimistic hockey fan. They're clearly not a Maple Leaf fan because the only way this team could have a dramatic turnaround in my eyes right now is a coaching change or a trade. That's, also, way- uh, yeah, that's also like the Blues last year are an anomaly. No team's yeah, ever like done that before. Yeah, like it's a before. nice story. Yeah. It's a nice story, and it shows you what you can do in this league if you can figure it out and play a system and commit to defensive hockey and get the big goals when you have to and have a good goalie. But I've been watching this group for too long now, and I don't believe that they can turn it around or anything dramatic's going to happen. Yeah, they might get their way in the playoffs because there are a lot of skilled players on this team, and they not may not be world beaters or 
be able to beat teams like the Bruins or the Blues. We've talked about it earlier, struggling against teams that are elite in this league. But they'll get by on talent, and that might be good enough to get them in the playoffs. But we all know. Right. W- will down, they get by on talent, though? Like, let's use that as a transition. Like, like the, my biggest concern through the first 11 games are all the highest paid players. Like, Oh, 100%. Matthews 100%. and Marner were invisible tonight. Like, Austin Matthews has scored a bunch of goals, but, like, his, outside of scoring goals, his ability to, like, take a game over is non-existent. Like, there, no. there were moments two years ago and before he got hurt last year where he could take a game over. I haven't seen that at all this year. No, he, he scores when he gets his opportunity, which you like you need guys like that on your team. You need goal scorers. I get that, but it's the comparing him to other players in the league and how he's a top player in the league and you're watching Drysidel and McDavid and then tonight the absolute clinic the first line of the Bruins put on. If you want to talk about an absolute force of a line, look at those three guys. They dominated. Yeah. They are difference makers every night. They take over games. They spend their whole shift in the offensive zone, cycling the puck, getting opportunities. They're what I don't get to is they they've been pairing Matthews and Marner, and they were I agree with you. They were awful tonight. And so far in their time together, they've been awful for three games now. And we've been clamoring for them to play together for why though for a why? long time. Like why? I don't know. But they're not. But it makes no sense. Yeah, I know. I know. They're not because if you look at every other team in the league, you look at Colorado. You got the big loaded line. They're unreal. You look at Tampa Bay. They put Point Kucherov and Stamkos together. They're unreal. You look at Bergeron, Marshan, and Pasternak. They're unreal. And then these two guys get together. And I know they don't have a lot of chemistry because they haven't been playing together. They may be able to build it. But it's just like it they look horrible. They're awful. Yeah. Horrible in their own end. Oh, Didn't yeah. get a lot of scoring chances tonight. Just just brutal. I don't understand. It it should work on paper. You got a a playmaking winger with a scoring centerman, but oof, it's ugly. It, it's ugly right now. Like so we just talked about Matthews. What is going on with Mitch Marner? Because he has he has like at least Matthews has scored his goals. Like Marner is just nowhere to be found. Like he looks like he's totally in his head with the whole contract drama that went on and how the fans got really vicious with him. I could be like I could be completely wrong. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But like that's what it looks like to me. He just doesn't look like nearly like last year he would go into video game mode, take games over, get the puck on his stick, go wheeling around the offensive zone, moving around guys, setting up goals. I you're you are not seeing that from him this year at all. At all. Like they the Leafs are in big trouble when they're paying these four guys, excluding Tavares because he's hurt, these three guys all this money. To be this in a like they're gonna they're gonna live and die with their stud players, and the stud players aren't very good. Like all the positives going on with the Leafs right now are all like certain defensemen and the bottom six. Like Jake Muzzin is fantastic. He's been he's been their best defenseman through eleven games. Justin Hole right behind him. 
Trevor Moore has been great. Freddie the Goat has had his moments as of late, but overall has played really well. Like, the top six, it's it's concerning. And I want to know why. Like, to your point that you just made, why? Why? Well, it's w- Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's weird because a lot of Marner fans would be like, yeah, he has 12 points in his first 10 games. What's the problem? But it's... Like, it's so much deeper than that. Like, if you just watch those three guys on the Bruins play tonight, and they might have the same amount of points as Marner, okay. But if you look at the way they just impact the game on a shift-by-shift basis, in their own end, in the O-zone, they're always involved, they're always dominating. I know Mitch will get his points, and this goes for Matthews too, but, like, you can get all the points you want. But if you watch those these guys on the Bruins, like they're that that's the way you need to play all the time. Just dominating, taking over a game, always being in the ozone, always having the puck, always being dangerous. You can get your points, but you're not fooling the guys who watch the games game in and game out. I'm not fooled by the points. You guys are horrible in your own end. Marner was awful in his own end tonight. Just terrible. Is it is it is it just an unwillingness to commit to the system or is it like the, the, these guys are just offense first so playing defensively does not come easy to them i i don't know man i don't know if they just take nights off i don't know if they just don't care i don't know if they're not being coached properly where i'm going with that is if you change do you think if you change the coach you would see an improvement in the in the star players I think there's a potential for it because I think at this point you could point to them tuning out Babcock, which seems to be the case at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But what also concerns me about that whole situation is we know Sheldon Keefe's the next guy on board. And who's Sheldon Keefe's boy? Kyle Dubas. And what does Kyle Dubas love? The worst type of hockey ever. The run-and-gun skilled hockey. So what does that tell me about Sheldon Keefe? Is he going to be committed to defensive systems, or is he going to play the whole skilled game too, run-and-gun game? Well, they're gonna There's have- no guarantees that he comes in and makes a, makes a world's difference. I think it'd be good for just a new mix in the room and have a new message and kind of a younger guy to relate with these guys a little bit more. But in terms of the style of play, the fact that he's so tight with Dubas and Dubas loves him so much kind of concerns me at the same time. But I, I agree with you, Rye, to, to an extent. But I, I do think that I just, as time goes on in this season, like last year I was already on this, but as time continues to go on in this season, I'm really starting to question if Babcock can get his head around the type of team that he has. Like last night, I saw people going nuts about this on Twitter last night. So you go to overtime with the Columbus Blue Jackets, okay? You have more talent in your top two lines than, like more God-given talent in your top two lines than the Blue Jackets have on their whole friggin' team. And you start Kapanen and Mikhaev at the beginning of the three-on-three overtime because you're line matching. Like, you're telling me that Dubas isn't up in the press box like just pulling his hair out of his head when he sees that? 
Yeah, and I, it seems kind of hypocritical to be p- being like, put Matthews and Marner out there when we're just bashing them, saying they play awful. No, but, but that's the situation. Three on three is a different story. Yeah. The, the, that's the type yeah. of hockey they want to play. Yeah, three on three is a different story. Like those, everything that they've been awful at all game goes out the window when it's three on three. Yes, yes. But I, I'm done. Wor- I honestly, that stuff doesn't even drive me crazy about Babcock. It's it's seeing Nick Shore on on set. Who's Nick Shore, anyways? Yeah. Like, who is this guy? Yeah, I don't even recognize him once on the ice tonight. Yeah, I don't think Spets is a world beater, but it just goes back to the whole "you're in the doghouse." And then tonight, you know, Hutchinson's going. He he just hates Michael Hutchinson right now, which I thought he played as good as a backup goalie tonight's, could play tonight. Tonight's loss to the Bruins is one hundred percent not on Hutchinson. And it is totally. There's going to be tons of people. Listen, I'm seeing a huge contingent of the fan base who who just love getting on this guy. And listen, he's he's a backup goalie. Okay, like when did the expectation for a backup goalie be to get in there and steal a game? Like when and when did late, that change? Like over the past couple of years, like a backup goalie so valuable. Now you look at the Bruins; they have the best one and two tandem in the whole league. Right, they but got is, Tuka one night and is, they got Yaroslavalak the other night. Is Halak going in there and stealing them a game? No, he's going in I there. I thought he played. Yeah, but he gets he gets wins, but it's easy for him to get wins when he has such an unreal team in front yeah, of him. Who, exactly my point. Who exactly has a good defensive point. system, They're, which is the, the drum we've been beating. The Bruins are not a friggin' dumpster fire in their own end the way the Leafs are. So it's no. like you said it last week. It's hard to be a goaltender for this team. It's really hard, man. Like you can't just like this expectation that he's going to go in there and stand on his head and make Freddie Anderson style saves. Like it's just not realistic. Yeah, it's just so, like you can ask all these questions about what's wrong, like who's to blame, and like at this point, it seems I'm just fighting with the fact that like yeah, they're not horrible. Like they have a respectable record like they're gonna be there at the end of the year but just watching the way they play every night it's it's not good enough no agreed it's not good enough I don't know what the answers are at this point I'm like the easiest thing to do is fire the coach yep they're not trading a big guy right now they just signed all of them they're gonna give it a whirl with all of them but the easiest thing to do right now is fire the coach and I don't think I, I think you're right. He's going to have a longer leash. Yeah, yeah that's not coming. Like, they're going to have to go on, like, an epic, like, 10-game losing streak for them to even consider firing Babcock in season. I do, I do not see it happening. He'll be given every opportunity to figure this out. But it, it, to me, it does look like that the big dogs have started to tune him out. It looks oh, like Austin Matthews man. is not interested in anything Mike Babcock has to say. No, not at all. He, like, it's just... It's so disappointing, the play of him and Marner. Like, it's... You can get your points all you want, but it's just the the play, the, the full 60-minute cliche. Yep. It's it's tiring, but it's true when you watch those two. It's... You get... You go hard for those two opportunities you get in front of the net. You get your points. Everyone's happy. They, and then they tune out you for the rest of the game. But I'm watching you. I'm watching you in your own end. I'm watching Mitch Marner let... Brad Marchand get wide open in the ozone tonight, and he rips it top shelf. Yeah, I didn't miss that. No. Great hockey players who win in this league 
don't do that as often as Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews do it. And that's the difference between Mitch this year. I feel like defensively last year, he had a little bit grit, a little bit of grit grinder in his game. Def- Marner, like the 200 foot game has always been something that ha- people have kind of chirped Matthews about Marner of, of all the Marner's always been the one who's had the best 200 foot game. Yeah. Cause he backtracks like really quickly and he gets on guys quickly. But this, this year, I don't know what is going on. It is not pretty. And it's really frustrating because it, like the, the entry level deals are over, man. And now we're just watching all you guys play mediocre hockey. Like watching players come into Scotiabank every night or watching them go on the road and the best players on that team, they look unreal to me. Like they're like they look like they're amazing hockey players. And it makes Marner and Matthews look brutal. And it's driving me crazy. I don't understand. I don't know if we just watch them too much but they just don't look as good as other players in this league and they're getting paid way more. Well, the the difference in salary between Marner and Pasternak is like it's a joke. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. It's a joke, man. Yeah. Like are you kidding me? Well, that's on Kyle Dubas, Ryan. That's on I, Ky- dude. Mitch a- that is not Mitch Marner's fault. I know, yeah. but the blame has to that's why I said I don't have the answers cuz the blame has to go around to everyone. Yeah. Even Brendan Shanahan. Yep. Yeah. It's everyone. Yep. And I'm beginning to think this team is cursed. Yeah, well, this particular iteration of the Leafs is really, like, they're very skill-heavy. And, like, you know what? The people who, for years, have been banging the drum about how they're soft, like, there's there's some merit to that point. Like, I know there's a lot of people who don't like hearing that, but, like, there is there is definitely, definitely some merit to that. Like, because they do. They get pushed around. Like, 100% they're soft. 100%. We are officially 20 minutes in, and I think we've set the record for the most like negative episode of Talking Buds of all time. But like we, this conversation needs to be had. Because What's, win yeah. or lose, it's the same thing night in and night out. Yeah, and it's. I feel like I can't even get a good thought process going thinking about this team because like you said about your notes... Early in the episode, I just threw them out. That's exactly how my brain is, too. It's like, I don't know. Like, one second, it's like, it's on the players, and then it's on Dubas, and on Babcock. And I can't make up my mind. It's like a game-to-game basis. My mind changes. But the one thing that stays consistent is it's always negative, and I'm always frustrated with the way this team's playing. Let's let's flip-flop to some... Give me a positive thing, Ryan. What are you feeling good about? 11 games into the season, 5-4-2. I feel good about their penalty kill, actually. Right. I know they're, they're they're ranked kind of middle of the pack, and when they start getting kind of hemmed in in, the, in their own zone on the penalty kill, it's sometimes they get scored on, but I had written down on my notes tonight, which I rarely take notes, so tonight I was like, you know what? Big game, going to take some notes. I took notes. At Ryan, I was sitting there, and I was ready to do my, like, and then in the second period, the Leafs did this, and then in the third period, they did that, and then they're on the power play, and at the when it's over, Par Lindholm. Yeah. I repeat, Par Lindholm, regular bum of the week last year, goes down and scores to make it 4-2, and I literally was like, delete. I, I don't want to talk about what happened at 
14-01 in the second period. Yeah, well, the reason why I like the penalty kill so much is that's when Mitch Marner's at his best. Mitch Marner looks like he's Mitch Marner on the penalty kill, and they get some of their best opportunities in the game on their penalty kill. Like, if you actually count the amount of quality chances they had in this game, a lot of them were on the penalty kill. A lot of them were shorthanded. And it seems that they figured out a way to get good offensive opportunities on their penalty kill, which is something I really like. And it's really exciting hockey because usually it's a two-on-one with Marner and Kapitan. And that's the kind of stuff I like. But, like, other than that, like, you mentioned the bottom six. Bottom six is likable. But at the end of the day, it's like it's all about the big guys. So it's like, yeah, we could like the bottom six all we want, but... It's it's really not going to make a difference at the end of the day. It's your, it's your top lines are going to drive you. It's a well, top-heavy league. My positive, I, I, I um, brushed over it earlier, but my positive is Jake Muzzin. Him and Barry, I like that. That's their best defensive pair. And I think Justin Hole, after being banished to the press box last year by Babcock, has been very, very good. And Trevor Moore. like th- Those three, and Kerfoot, I thought Kerfoot had a good game tonight. He, yeah, he um, was good tonight. Yeah. He was all over. He was uh, he's everywhere. He was uh, he was the most noticeable guy on your screen. He's he's a guy who took a few games to sort of get acclimated, and he's really settled in. He's he doesn't bring the edge that Naz had, but I do like his. He's just as skilled as Naz, in my opinion. When he wants to be, he's just as skilled as Naz, but he doesn't have the the sort of edge that Naz. But that's okay. Um, uh, Dermot and Hyman are on their way back. Cody Cece's got a got a Cody Cece better get a demotion when Travis Dermott finds his way back into the lineup. But Cody Cece is the new Nikita Zaitsev. Yeah, I, I think so. just going to keep I, sticking him out there. I still like their blue line a lot more this year than I did last year. I, I don't know if it's just because they're new faces, but I, I I seem I just like them a little bit better than they than last year, which is another positive. You're running out right now to buy your Kevin Gravel jersey. Oh yeah, I, well, dude, I was watching it. I was like, "Who is twenty five? Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I've done I that have every game. He's no played in. idea who that is. I've done that every game he's played in. I'm like, oh, it's Kevin Gravel. He called him Kevin Gravel forever, but nope, it's Kevin Gravel. And every time Nick Shore's on the ice, I think the Leafs are shorthanded <laughs> because he's a ghost to me. <laughs> it's like no one's out there. Yeah. And Nick Shore. And guess what? And he's out there and Spezza's not. But this is what it's going to be like when you sign guys to huge deals. You're going to have a million Nick Shores yep. here for the next couple of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Timashov. Dimitro Timashov. Big ass. Oh, yeah. The big asses. We haven't even gotten to that yet. Yeah. Big ass. They're good because I got big ass. He's such a weirdo, man. Oh, man, he's just, this is why I can't defend him for stuff like this. It's like, what are you talking about, dude? Play Anderson against the Bruins, man. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you doing this? I know, I know, I know. What is in your head that makes you think you have to do this? The man? I don't understand. I know. And then he gives some weird quote yesterday. Where he's like, imagine, imagine going to, uh, having going the second night and having all the pressure on you to pick up the two points. It's like, yeah, that's why he's the starting goalie. That's why he gets paid so much, man. It's ridiculous. What's he talking about? Like, I don't know what he's talking about half the time. Oh, yeah, I don't know what he's talking about What's he doing? 
Oh, it's His so quotes it, are just out of this world weird. Like oh, I don't No, the no, the 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 line matching in three on three overtime against the blue jackets is like you are so into your own hype. Oh my and it's just that's what makes me want him to get let go so bad is is not even like sometimes it's not even like the systematic play like obviously that needs to get better but it's just the little babcockisms that are just starting to wear thin on me especially when the team is mediocre yeah like the quotes the constant we're gonna do this better we're gonna do that better and it's never better it's the whole doghouse situation where he hates a guy when he just looks takes one look at him like it's just all that stuff that makes me just want to be like okay I'm I'm done with you I'm ready for something new <sighs> see I tried to take us in a positive direction there Ryan and as soon as we got on um the topic of old Mr. Good Pro it just it you want to take the talking buds to negative town let's talk about uh Babcock yeah and his well, line negative matching. town is I feel like everyone's a negative town right now, though. Like, oh, obviously, yeah, no, there's people out there being like, stop overreacting. It's not that bad. And it's always somewhere in the middle of being really bad and really good. But but I, like, I think we can all agree. Like, if you're somebody who's watching, if you've watched the first 11 games and you're still sitting there going, if they continue to play like this, they have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. I don't I don't know what you're watching. Like I know, and that's the goal, which is why I don't care about the whole it's early thing. It's like, this is our goal. If the goal is to win a cup, what I see and what you see is not good enough. Yeah, no, it's not it's good not enough. It's not good enough, it's and it's frustrating enough. because we want to come on here and be like, what a game tonight. Like, this team's a force. Like, I'm putting money down early on the Leafs being in the cup final. But no, it's like, I like I have... I bet the Bruins tonight I was so confident that the Bruins were going to win. I put the Bruins on my money line card. I can't believe you. And just, I put a uh, lot of money on them because I because I knew they were going to win. As horrible, as horrible as that sounds. I can't believe you just publicly admitted that. I don't care. Like that that's where that's why I'm so negative. That's why I can justify to myself why I'm being so negative right now because before the game I literally put my money on the Boston Bruins. On my money line. Because I knew for a fact they were going to win tonight. It's the, it's the second game of a back-to-back. Hutchinson's going to go in. He's not going to get enough support. The Bruins lost on Saturday, so they're due for a win now. And it, it, that's exactly what happened. Like, I I literally for, I forecasted it. Are like you, it was just... Are you feeling optimistic about the returns of Hyman and Dermott? I'm feeling optimistic about the return of Hyman. Because you know exactly what you're going to get from him, no matter what. You know exactly what you're going to get from Zach Hyman. I still think Travis Durbin has a lot to prove. Like, I love his, his game. Upside. I his love upside. what he brings, his upside. But it's, but he still has, got a, he still has a lot to prove, man. I, I'm still not totally bought in on the Dermot hype train. Do you think the biggest problem with the Leafs is that they're too soft? 100%. They're, they're too soft, and they do... They don't know how to play in their own end. Like, simple as that. And they don't know how to cycle the puck in the O-zone. See, I would put softness as, like, the third problem. I would put 
if I was ranking three things that need to be addressed, it would be the stars inconsistency. Um, it's the way the team as a whole plays in their own zone. And then it would be soft slash softness slash toughness. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, after you, after hearing you name those top three, I'd probably go soft number one. Oh, yep. And because that's There's a that lot of people who agree with you, man. Yep. Because that includes the stars. Like the stars are as soft as anyone on the team. And the bottom six is pretty soft too, which is why I want Hyman back because Hyman's not soft. And this is where I kind of like, as much as I want to put the whole thing on Babcock, this is where you kind of let him off a little bit is because Babcock, like Matthews has to decide in his head that I'm going to play a 200 foot game. I'm going to take this game over. I'm going to be more effective. I'm not going to be intimidated by the Bruins. I'm going to do whatever it takes, blood, sweat, and tears, 200 feet. He has to decide that in his head. Mike Babcock is not going to all of a sudden make Austin Matthews. Yes, a coach's job is to motivate, but at the same time, it's like, you're a big boy. You can decide to take a game over. All the best players, like, do you think Sidney Crosby ever goes out there and plays the way he plays because his coach motivated him? No. Do you think Connor McDavid no, is no. taking games over because Dave Tippett is behind the bench right now in Edmonton? No. He's just decided, I'm going to take this game over. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the way he's currently playing, no more Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid in the same sentence, please. Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> like. It's a joke, man. Yeah, like no more. I love Austin Matthews. Like anyone who's listening to us for the first time that thinks I'm tripping Austin Matthews, go back and listen to every episode of this show. You will not find a bigger Austin Matthews fan than me. But he's got some soul searching to do. Yeah, and that that goes back to Saw for me. Like the guy is huge. He's a huge kid who can skate and can shoot. But that kid is allergic to physical contact. Well, do you think part of that is because he's scared to to get hurt again? I don't care, man. Everyone gets hurt. He's a professional athlete. Athletes get hurt. That doesn't mean you can avoid body contact in a physical sport. Especially when you're that big. Yeah. Like, position yourself. Yeah. Position your body in a way where your size is going to just automatically defeat the other guy because you're bigger than him. Yeah. And you're stronger on your stick. And you're stronger on the body. But he just he doesn't do it. And it and it's it's not as a big of a deal if he's positionally playing well in his own zone and scoring goals. But when he's struggling, stuff like that starts to get pointed out well what you said right there not to keep belaboring this point but what you said right there is why i put toughness third is because they're not in the right position you don't need to be as tough if you're playing the oh my god i can't believe i i I almost said ryan i almost said the right way i almost said it the right way (laughs) um you don't have to be like he doesn't have to go out there but 
and, and run around and hit guys. It's just use your big body. Like, get in there. Be first on the puck. Don't let them shove shove you off it. Like, just keep – like, be in the right position in your zone. That's why. It's like once you guys decide that that's how you're going to play – you can win. You can have success. The thing that the reason why we are sitting here so frustrated right now is because this team has the talent to have a better record at this point than five, four, and two. Hundred percent. That's why and we should feel good about them making a run in the playoffs. Yes. But we don't. No. Okay. I think um I think we've beat this whole thing to death. So let's move in. To bum and beauty. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. I feel like based on our last conversation that we just had, where this will be an interesting um, bum and beauty segment. There's lots of different options to choose from. So I will go first. Let's start with the bum. Let's save the positivity for last so we don't end on a negative note. I will go with my bum of the week, who is the combination of Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. Co-bum of the week, two-pack. We've been waiting for them to be paired haven't really looked great. Um, we talked about it in the whole first block, so I'm not going to go over that again and again. But it's been disappointing to watch those two. Still some time before Johnny T comes back. Hope they can get it figured out and turned around. But just tonight against the Bruins in a game where it's the second night of a back-to-back and your backup goalie's in the net, someone needs to pick the team up and those two guys didn't do it. So that combo is my bum of the week. All right. Bum of the week for me is Mike Babcock's goaltending decisions on back-to-backs. Yeah. yeah. It, at this first, is a lot of people's bum of the week. At first, I'm like, okay, you have your, you have your thing. You, you want it that way. That's fine. But if you just look at the games and the matchups – where Hutchinson has to play. It's like, this is ridiculous. You want your best guy in there against the best teams in your own division to give you the best chance to get home ice advantage in the playoffs. And how you do that is to beat the Boston Bruins when you can, to beat the Montreal Canadiens when you can. And you have a better chance doing that with Freddie Anderson in the net. Like, this isn't one way or no way. This You can do it any way you want. But no, it's got to be the Babcock way. And I'm tired of it and everyone's tired of it. It makes no sense. And that is my bum of the week. Beauty of the week for me, Jake Muzzin. Um, You're going to get so disappointed in me, Ryan, because I'm going to talk contracts. But I feel like signing him needs to become a priority because he's their best defenseman right now, in my opinion. He's the only one who plays like a really good stay-at-home game at this point, and I think he's really good. What that contract is going to look like, I don't know. You're probably going to have to give him too much term than you'd like to give him in order to get that number down. However, he's been fantastic through this first 11 games of the season. So, Jake Muzzin, beauty of the week. 
And he, and you know he's a leader in that room, too, 100%. which is nice. And he's, he's got to be careful. And, Ryan, you're talking about toughness. Like, he's one of the yeah. only guys who goes out there and will knock a guy over. Yeah, but you got to be careful with him because he's not a young man anymore. So if he's looking for a deal and he's looking for, like, six years, seven years, you got to... You got to fight to work that down. And if not, then you got to let him go. Yeah, because you can't pay him a stupid amount of money. And the only way you're going to get that AAV down is by giving him more term. So, yes, that's a good yep. point. Yep. Yep. So, my beauty of the week is a two pack. I got Kerfoot, big goal on Saturday. And I thought he was all over the ice tonight. And he was phenomenal. And then my second one. Casperi Kapanen looks a lot better since being moved down. He's so dynamic on the penalty kill. He had a he's a heck of a one timer. The shot he had tonight was phenomenal. And I think he's playing a lot better since he's been moved down. So those are my beauties of the week. So I'm looking at the um the schedule for the next week. And one thing I think we need to say, um, you know, we, we we really vented and ranted in the first part of this. But we need the one bit of slack we need to cut these guys. This is an outrageous number of back-to-backs to start the season. Like, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm, fi- whatever it is, filing a grievance with the league. I don't know. But, like, again, on Friday, you've got the San Jose Sharks at Scotiabank Arena. Then the next night, they're in Montreal to take on the Habs. Like, it's just an absurd amount of back-to-backs in the first month of the season. Yeah, it's just bad scheduling, but it's something you got to get through. Every team goes through stretches of the season where they're going to have to face adversity like this through the schedule, and it's up to a good hockey team to deal with it. So, because they're they're gonna they're gonna reap the benefits later. That they are they're getting them all out of the way now. So who who are you? How are you deploying the goalies in that back-to-back? I I don't even want to give my opinion because we know what it is. Yeah, yeah. we know what it is. You're going to see Michael Hutchinson against the Montreal Canadiens. Yep, that's what you're going to see. Another tough start for the guy. Yep, when he could play a San Jose An- team that yeah. isn't that good. Another build his confidence. An- well, but also you made a great point earlier. It's like the Habs are the more important two points because it's a divisional game and they're in the conference. Yeah, and Freddie is a big boy who's a top goalie in this league, or is supposed to be, and he should win those games. Yes. He should give his team a good chance to win those games because he should be that good. Yes. And your backup goalie needs to gain some confidence with some Ws. Yes. So put him against the weaker team. Yes. Your big boy needs to beat the good teams. Yes. You Can, can you tell I agreed with everything you just said? Yeah. 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 All right. So Sharks Friday, Canadian Saturday, Capitals Tuesday. And we will be back after that game next Tuesday. So that's a that's not an easy three games, Ryan. No, no, but at least they get some time during next week to kind of recover a little bit because they just have that Tuesday game and yep. then they got they got Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all off. Yep. So there's your chance to recover. Yep. And I just want to see a better defensive effort. But at this point, I'm not expecting it. I'm expecting them to win one or two of those games through the way they always win hockey games, through run and gun, through shinny hockey. But 
in any of those games, if it gets into a systematic battle where toughness is required to win the hockey game, they're going to lose. Well, Ryan, let's hope that when we reconvene next Tuesday, it is because this is two weeks in a row now where it's been pretty bleak and I hate this. I would yeah, love nothing sucks, more. Man. I, I would love nothing more than to come on here and just be like, we don't have much to say because the team is rolling and we just want to talk for 40 minutes about how much we love them. Yeah, I know. And that's what we kind of did all last year about the team. Like we now we're just like more jaded and like more accustomed and kind of sick of the way things are going. So it's not like every game it's like, Oh, the, he was good this game and he wasn't so good next game. Now all the games are kind of bunching into one and it's making my opinion sway totally to the negative. And I just want them to go on a big streak where they start playing so much better and they hit the reset button and they start doing things properly but there's just, I can't believe it right now. Couldn't have said it better myself, right? And with that, we will sign off for this week. Thank you, everyone, for downloading. Again, hello to any new listeners we had this week. Ryan and I had a very nice shout-out sent our way today. So thank you very much for that. Um, we will talk to you guys next Tuesday night. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.